Good evening, and welcome to the Triumvirate. This is JP, pitching in for your regular host, Lassie. In tonight's episode, we have three listeners who sent their legal inquiries to our legal experts, Attorney Sal Alba and RV June Zoe Bernal. Our first listener, Jeffrey, is asking about buying the car of his dreams and his apprehensions that the seller's offer is too good to be true. Hello, attorney. My name's Jeffrey. I've been longing to buy my own dream car, a 1998 Honda SIR. This may be a 23-year-old car, but boy, this car can outrace any other car today. Well, while I was browsing through the buy and sell section, I came across a mint 1998 Honda SIR listed for a ridiculous price of guess what? 250,000 pesos. That is nearly half the going price. The problem is though, is that the seller said that the certificate of registration and official receipt of the Honda SIR is still in the name of the previous owner. This is because the car was given to him as a collateral for a loan. He promised me that if I buy the car, he will be able to give me a new certificate of registration and official receipt already in my name. However, when he presented to me the deed of absolute sale, I noticed that it did not reflect the correct numbers of the vehicle's engine and chassis. Attorney, shall I go on with the sale? I really need your advice. As I really like to get a hold of this beauty. Hello Jeffrey, this is Attorney Sal Alba. From what you have told us, I am advising you not to buy this car. It is because the car of your dreams is not properly documented. A telltale sign that it may have been stolen is that the deed of absolute sale does not reflect the correct numbers of the engine and chassis. If you buy this car without considering this fact, you may be charged with a violation of Presidential Decree 1612 or the Anti-Fencing Law, which is a special law. Its violation is regarded as malum prohibitum, requiring no proof of criminal intent. Of course, the prosecution must still prove that you knew or should have known that the Honda Civic SIR was derived from theft or robbery and that you have intended to obtain some gain out of what you did. This will be easy to prove if you went on to buy the car despite the fact that it is not properly documented. Thank you for your advice, Attorney Sal. I think Jeffrey will now think twice before buying his dream car. We go now to our second listener, Lourdes, who wants to ask her husband's repeated coercive behavior and refusal to undergo marriage counseling. Hello, attorneys. My name is Lourdes. I am a 25-year-old housewife. My husband, Mario, is a businessman. I want to ask about my husband's strange behavior that has greatly affected our marriage. My husband is jealous of everyone who talked to me and would even skip work at his family's printing press to stalk me. 
My husband's jealousy was so severe that he once poked a gun at his own 15-year-old cousin who was staying at their house because he suspected his cousin of being my lover. In addition, Mario treated me like a sex slave. We would have sex four or five times a day. At times, Mario would fetch me from my office during his lunch break just so we could have sex. During sexual intercourse, Mario would either tie me to the bed or poke me with things. Mario also suggested that we invite a third person with us while having sex or for me to have sex with another man in his presence. Mario's suggestions made me feel molested and maltreated. Whenever I refused Mario's advances or suggestions, he would get angry and we would quarrel. As I still love my husband despite his worsening behavior, I suggested that we undergo marriage counseling, but Mario refused and deemed it as a mere kalokohan. Lately, we were quarreling often as Mario suspects that I was having an affair. In the heat of our quarrel, Mario poked a gun at my head. Thus, I left Mario, taking with me our two daughters in tow. Attorneys, I had enough of Mario's abuses. I would like to ask you if there is a reason for me to ask for the dissolution of our marriage. Hello, Lourdes. This is Attorney Bernal. In a case decided by the Supreme Court in Tane de la Fuerte versus de la Fuerte, it was ruled that when the husband already exhibits a pattern of behavior of dominating his wife through different tactics such as physical and sexual violence, threats, emotional insults, and economic deprivation, it would be of utmost cruelty to decree that wife should remain married to her husband. In that case, the Supreme Court noted that even after the wife had exerted efforts to save their marriage and their family, the husband simply refused to believe that there was anything wrong in their marriage. This shows that the husband truly could not comprehend and perform his marital obligations. This fact is persuasive enough for the court to believe that the respondent's mental illness is incurable. Applying this to your case, Lourdes, your husband's repeated acts of harassment towards you, which shows his need to intimidate and dominate you, is a classic case of coercive control. At first, your husband Mario only inflicted non-physical forms of mistreatment by alienating you from your family and friends due to his jealousy. He also stalked you due to his paranoia. However, his jealousy soon escalated into physical violence when, on separate instances, he poked a gun at his own teenage cousin and later at you. Thus, it can be said that Mario's repeated behavior of psychological abuse by intimidating, stalking, and isolating you from your family and friends, as well as his increasing acts of physical violence are proof of his depravity and utter lack of comprehension of what marriage and partnership entail. This can be a strong basis to dissolve your marriage. Thank you, Attorney R.V. June. We hope that Lourdes was enlightened about her options given the pattern of abusive behavior exhibited by her husband Mario. Now, we go to our third and last caller, Karen. Karen is a bank employee who is married to Bruce for eight years. Let us listen to her story. Hello, attorneys. My name is Karen and a bank employee. My husband of eight years, Bruce, is Filipino-Chinese. I admit that my in-laws do not approve of our marriage since I am not Filipino-Chinese like them. That is why whenever my husband and I have misunderstandings, 
my in-laws would meddle and side with my husband. Little by little, I noticed that my husband's affection towards me has waned. He is no longer that sweet and admirable husband that he is. He would follow whatever his parents would tell him. And nowadays, Bruce and his parents would openly berate me and treat me as an outsider. They don't even bring me along to family occasions. And if they did, they would treat me no better than household. Later, Bruce started to uh, deprive me of financial support because his parents told him to do so. When I confronted Bruce about this worsening treatment, he slapped me and told me not to talk ill about his parents. My question is this, can I file a case against Bruce and his parents who have conspired to cause verbal, psychological, and economic abuses on me? Hello Karen, this is attorney Sal Alba. The abuses you experience at the hands of your husband and in-laws is addressed by Section 5 of RA 9262, otherwise known as the Anti-Violence Against Women and Their Children Act of 2004. Paragraph H penalizes as a crime of violence against women and their children the act of engaging in purposeful, knowing, reckless conduct personally or through another that alarms or causes substantial emotional or psychological distress to the woman or her child. The phrase personally or through another expressly recognizes the acts of violence against women and their children may be committed by an offender through another. From your story, it can be said that your husband and his parents have conspired to deprive you of spousal support and cause you substantial emotional or psychological distress. In the case of Go Tan versus Tan, the Supreme Court held that the principle of conspiracy may be applied to RA number 692.62. This is because the principle of conspiracy under Article 8 of the Revised Penal Code may be applied supplitorily to RA 92.62 because of the express provision of Section 47 that the Revised Penal Code shall be supplementary to the said law. Thus, the general provisions of the Revised Penal Code by their nature are necessarily applicable, may be applied supplitorily. Thank you, Attorney Alba, for your straightforward answer. And we hope that Karen was enlightened by your advice. As always, we encourage listeners of the podcast to send us their legal inquiries through our email address, amicusjuristpodcast at gmail.com. And we will be sure to feature this in our future podcast episodes. And just like Karen, Lourdes, and Jeffrey, they can be enlightened to the legal aspect of their situations and be able to decide properly on what to do about it. Once again, this has been your host JP, and together with the triumvirate attorneys, Attorney Alba and Bernal, we wish you a good evening and see you in our next episode.